Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Ray Route. Welcome to the Dear Pats Nation podcast. It's your boy Ray here. Of course, as always, I'm here with my boy Connor and our girl Sarah coming here to talk some sports. And I got to tell you guys, I got a lot. I mean, a lot that I want to talk about tonight. Like, there's so much that happened today. There's so much significance of today. Let me start by saying this, though, people. 365 days ago, Kobe Bryant left this world. We lost a legend. And to this day, it still doesn't feel real to me when we talk about losing Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant wasn't supposed to stop playing basketball, let alone die. And then you add in the the heartbreaking facts that he lost his daughter and her teammates and friends and just a horrific crash. And as we were talking about before we even came on air, that it was just like it was the kickoff to the worst year in the history of the world. And I just still sit here today like when I saw it come up and pop up that it was, you know, the anniversary today. It hit me almost like it hit me last year. It, it almost felt the same. And and as I said, it still doesn't feel real. I, I It still feels just out of this world. But, you know, legends never die even when they leave. We lost another legend in Hank Aaron, I believe, over the weekend. And it's yeah, well, twenty twenty one ain't starting out too bad, and it's just been it's been a weird couple of days. Yesterday was the anniversary of Patient Zero here in Toronto. Kobe's death, the anniversary today. We lost Hank Aaron a couple of days ago. Just oh, one of those things. One of those things. Uh, just so everybody knows, Connor is monitoring the chat. He is yep. keeping a keen eye on it tonight. And, nobody else. And we have a donation already. Shout out to Scared. Comment, not a question. So, played basketball because of Kobe. That's what's yeah. up. And I think there's a lot of kids out there that play basketball because of Kobe Bryant, or a lot of adults who played because of kids. I mean, guys, yep. let's let's just reflect for a couple minutes. I mean, I remember back in the day, like every time you like at school when you threw a piece of paper into the garbage can, yes. right? Kobe, right? <laughs> like it was just a, it's what you did, and you know. Here's what I always say about Kobe Bryant. There will never be an argument if he's the best player of all time. That obviously, that that argument is is kept from Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Uh, it's Michael Jordan, but it's kept for LeBron Jordan or LeBron Jordan, LeBron <laughs> James, and Michael Jordan. But I have said, and, and this was prior to last year. I've said this for years. I said, if I had a dream team and I had Jordan, LeBron, Kobe, Shaq. You know, maybe some Bill Russell in there, some Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, one of those guys to fill in that that spot. The game would run through Michael Jordan or LeBron, depending on who was on the floor. But if there was two seconds left in the game, we needed one shot. That ball was going in Kobe's hands every time. There was nobody more clutch than Kobe Bryant to shoot a basketball. Oh. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know if you guys have anything to add or if we should just move on. I, I just, I'm kind of, I'm kind of talked out about it. Well, for me, like I was saying before we went on, I didn't grow up like a basketball fan. So I don't have a deep connection in that way. But of course, I always knew who he was. And, if, you know, like you were saying, kids were doing that with paper in school. And, um, but he's one of the few like celebrity deaths. And I can basically name like two or three. That actually, like, I sobbed about for days. It was just, it, it's just sad, I think, too, in the, the way in which we lost him. And also, with just all of the things that he had left to do in this world and all the good he was bringing and, like, his daughter and all, all of the people on the helicopter. It's just so awful. Like, it's, 
it's still, you know, it's been a year and it still feels like, well, first of all, how has it been a year? But it still makes me emotional like it just happened. So it really, it's really sad. Yeah, got a com- I got a comment awful. here from from Lucas. Legends never yeah. die. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's right. That's never, right. ever, ever. I do want to say, too, I think for the most part from what I've seen, I don't know if you guys follow his wife, Vanessa, on Instagram or anything, but um, she asked, I think, about a week ago for media and fans to be as respectful as possible when, um, you know, posting memorials and whatnot for him to not show images of the accident and whatnot. And I feel like from what I've seen, most media outlets have respected that. And I feel like that's really admirable considering how pretty brutal they were last year. I mean, she found out from TMZ. I mean, she didn't even get a call from, you know, police, first responders or whatever. So I think it's, it's good to see that they were a little bit more respectful of her wishes since it was so gross last year. Absolutely. And we know that the media just loves to, to jump all over that kind of stuff. So good for them. I'm sure they somebody do. broke it out there. Okay. Let's uh, let's move on a little bit here. Rest in peace to Kobe. Rest in peace yes, to DJ. Um, <clears throat> all right, guys. So let's let's talk a little bit of, of, of sports right now. Um, one thing I think that I learned over the weekend watching the NFC Championship and AFC Championship game is that number one? You need a you need a quarterback, right? You need a good quarterback. Yeah. If you look at all four teams, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, four of the premier quarterbacks in the NFL right now. You need a quarterback. Yeah. Um, another thing I learned about this weekend, though, is that does not solve all of the Patriots' problems heading into the twenty twenty one season. Uh, Bill Belichick could go out and bring Tom Brady back. He could bring back Brady from his prime. He could bring Aaron Rodgers in. He could bring uh, Matthew Stafford and Jimmy Garoppolo. It won't matter. The Patriot, he, the bringing in a quarterback doesn't even come close to solving the Patriots' issues on offense. And look, if he brought in, let's say, a true number one receiver, brought in a veteran tight end, you mix that up with, with Damian Harris and Sony Michelle, it changes the offense completely. But it's still not enough. And I think that as fans, we should be calling upon Jacoby Myers, Nikhil Harry, Devin Asiasi, and Dalton Keene to have to rise up and step up. Because I'm telling you, if those guys don't take a step this year and contribute to this offense... They're going to be in trouble. And let me just stop your arguments right now. I know what you're going to say. You're going to say Jacoby Myers had a great year. He was like playing like a number one. If they bring in a true number one, he'll be a number two. He'll be great. Jacoby Myers in two seasons, as great as he's been, as the steps he's taken in two seasons, has zero touchdowns. Jacoby Myers disappears in the red zone. And this was something until I kind of read about this this week I never clued into. But, Connor, you and I broke down every game. When did we ever talk about Jacoby Myers in the red zone? Unless he was throwing the football to somebody. Because he has two t- touchdown passes. Yeah, I don't, no I don't remember until you said this now, yeah. Never. Yep, never, yep. When you talk about Nikhil Harry, first of all, people who are screaming cut Nikhil Harry, it's going to cost the Patriots more money to cut him than it is to keep him. So he's going to be here this year so we can just end that. We got to just forget where he was drafted for a second because that becomes irrelevant to the Patriots being successful in 2021. Okay, we can't sit there and say he was, you know, he's a bust and he, you know, Belichick wasted a pick. It's it's irregardless at this point. It's irregardless at this point where he was drafted. By the way, just so I can point out to people too, the 32nd pick in the NFL is a first round draft. The 31st pick in the NFL draft is a second round pick. Okay, so 32 is almost a second round pick. So we got to stop acting like he was picked in the top 10. He was picked 32. He's basically a second rounder. But we need, and he's not going to be the number one or number two receiver on this team. Like, we need to get that out of our head, too. We need to stop saying because of his draft position, this is where he should be playing. Nikhil Harry has the body, the strength, the size to be a legitimate red zone threat. And he needs to start becoming one. And don't point out two touchdowns to me this season, one in garbage time from Jared Stidham and one from Cam Newton where he barely turned around in time to make the catch. Besides that, he was irrelevant in the red zone as well, and that's where he should have his strength. And then the tight ends. I mean, Connor, you and I talked all offseason about nothing could be worse than the tight ends the year before. (laughs) Should have never said that. 
and we jinxed it because they came out. Now, we maybe came to the exception that maybe they're supposed to be projects. That's fine. And a veteran tight end will help. But those four guys, on top of bringing in a wide receiver and a tight end, are going to have to step up. Because when you look at the defensive young core, Josh Uche, Chase Winovich, J.C. Jackson, I'll throw Kyle Duggar in there. I'll throw Jawan Bentley in there. They have all showed that they're a young core to build around. They're a young core. You can build that front seven and that secondary round. I'm sorry. Myers, Harry, Asiasi, and Keen have showed you can't build around them. Because until Myers starts showing me that he is, I'm sorry, it's easy to get open at the 50-yard line. Like almost any receiver in the NFL, almost anyone can get open at the 50-yard line. It's getting open between the 20 and the goal line. And we haven't seen Jacoby Myers take that step yet. So you could bring in a quarterback, you could bring in a good number one receiver and you could bring in a tight end, but it's not enough. These guys need to step up this year. Free agency is not the answer or not the full answer. And Belichick cannot build this team just through free agency in the draft. They need some of those guys to step up. I'll take it away. Yeah, no, I mean, I I agree. They they have a lot to work on, especially on offense. Um, yeah, if if they do bring in a tight end and a wide receiver, that's definitely the biggest first step. But from there, yeah, if that's nobody else really steps up, they're still going to have you know the number two tight end spot they're going to be missing. Then wide receiver, if if they only have to worry about taking away one person, it's going to make it a lot easier on the defense if they don't have to worry about anyone else. So. They, they're going to need a combination of both. They need new talent because they, they have very little. And what they do have and who they're going to keep need to step up. Absolutely. Um, I, I had totally forgotten about Myers not getting a touchdown until I was writing my article recently. And I had to, like, triple check because it was, like, for how much – yards and you know how much he was targeted I was like he has to have gotten at least one like how is that possible I would kind of want to watch film and just kind of see like how many opportunities was he given because it was such a weird season like I would kind of want to see what were there times where he was open and wasn't thrown to was he just never open could he not separate like what what the deal was because I mean he was Cam's favorite passing target so I don't really it it seems to not really make sense why he wouldn't have had a touchdown but yeah, I think um, that's been my main thing too, is that they need to develop the receivers. It's like we said, it doesn't matter at this point if whatever quarterback they bring in, because if you can get a quarterback that's a better passer, I guess, than Cam was this season, if the, if the receivers aren't any better, then the team's not going to be much better. So um, I think that they have a lot of film to watch on themselves this offseason, that's for sure, to try and figure out what the issue is, where people work the best. Um, but, they, yeah, they have a lot to figure out. Yeah, and so I did see the film only because okay. it was a part of the article I was reading. that was, And it was only touched upon it, but they, they had links to the film there. He was smothered. He could not find okay. a centimeter of separation. So it's mm-hmm. on him, right? Okay. It's on him. And it's on Josh McDaniels to work with these receivers to put them in positions to get open as well. But they got to take accountability. Uh, Connor, I'm going to say, man, I've judging by the comments we get. And I've really, you know, I take what I take what the viewers say to us to heart. You know what I mean? And think about it. I have one here for McChicken that's on topic, too. Okay, let me finish this point. Then we'll hit McChicken. Um, I think we gave the Patriots too much of a pass this year sometimes. You know what I mean? We, we overlooked yeah. some of these deficiencies. <laughs> yep. in, the, in the effort not to be a part of that negative media, right? we did something we promised we wouldn't do, and that's criticize deserve, deserving criticism. We yeah. wouldn't sit here and say scam Newton and start ripping on him for no reason. We wouldn't sit here and put this season on him. We'd point out opportunities where, you know, I'll still stand here and say give Cam Newton a reliable offense and some weapons, and he has a, he's, he's going to bring the Patriots to the playoffs last year, right? Yeah. I'll argue that to death. But I think that at times we ignored some of the deficiencies and maybe it was because there weren't many bright spots that we just wanted to, we didn't want to dim the brightest of spots. But the more and more removed I get from it, the more and more I start looking back. I'm like, yeah, Jacoby Myers hasn't caught a touchdown pass and he's had two MVP quarterbacks throwing the football to him. Right. You know? Yeah, I mean, we we definitely were very optimistic for a team that went seven and nine and didn't look very good in a bunch of those games where they just got the doors blown off of them. Um I, I I guess we were obviously a little bit over optimistic. 
I think the day we came out and celebrated a loss was when we started going wrong. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, in fairness, everybody celebrated the loss of the Seahawks. No, Sarah, did you not right. celebrate the loss of the Seahawks? Celebrate it because they almost won. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah, no, I did. I was like, oh, this season's going to be so good. Like, yeah. we almost beat a red hot offense and blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, no, I was excited. I was like, we only lost by a few points. <laughs> yeah. And they look good. They look good. They look like they were going to be the Patriots that I expected them to be. Like, they weren't really going to miss a beat. And then it, they, it I went really feel fast. like other than the issues that are obvious, you know, like quarterback inefficiencies, uh, lack of talent on offense, et cetera, I really do feel like it seems like the season started to go down when Cam got COVID. Like, yeah. I feel like that definitely impacted this season a lot more than they wanted to let on. Um and, you know, I guess at that point, we still don't really know what all of the long-term effects of COVID are. But it just seemed like if you watch the first few games and then the rest of the season, he's a totally different guy. So I feel like it had to have been something because how is the first couple weeks so good? And then everyone was just like off the cam train except for us and me and whatever. But for the rest of the season, like it just seems it didn't add up to me. So right. we've used the C word twice. Let's not use it a third time. Okay. Otherwise, okay. Uh, we get flagged. Oh, <laughs> and YouTube okay. demonetizes our video. So Okay. Oh, I forgot about up? that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. YouTube is great. Uh, Connor, mm. they are. You guys are great. We're not saying anything negative. We love about you. You, you guys yes. are great. The NFL is the perfect. The best ever. The NFL is perfect. Perfect. You want to throw up the comment, Connor? Yes. So there's from from McChicken while we were talking about Josh McDaniel. So he said, "Do I do I feel Nikhil was hyped up? Yes, but I also think Josh doesn't use him right. Besides Moss and maybe LaFell, I can't think of a big receiver that's worked with McDaniel's. Which you know, I, I Malcolm, can't argue Malcolm with. Mitchell as well. I'll, yeah, Malcolm, Malcolm Mitchell was a big uh, receiver. He wasn't a strong receiver, but he was a tall receiver. He was a bigger receiver in that sense. But the potential of Mitchell makes me so sad. I know." Yeah, that was such. But you know what? He he was one of the biggest contributors to winning the Super Bowl. So he did his job. And, he did. That was a you know. he had a big game when it counted there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I we've said it all along. I think the one of the few people we actually have been critical of has been Josh McDaniels, and and rightfully so. You know, even going back to last season, I think it was Joe who said, you know, he's been calling the the plays very vanilla for two seasons now, and he hasn't really found a way to get Nikhil Harry that involved. So. Part of it's kind of on Josh McDaniels as well, I feel like. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, I think it's – there's another – I'm just going to pop up this one if I can, Connor. Yeah. Because No Love Entertainment saying, Ray, Connor, Sarah, Harry should be used as a deep 50-50 threat. Bill has him running these stupid routes. And I agree. This is where I think that – and I think it's it's McDaniels, not Bill. Yeah. And I think that, that McDaniels is not using him to his ability because I'd love to see him use his size and his strength. Right. I'd love to see him get out there and make the catch. He's not going to be – He's not going to be a true number one. So I think that's what needs to be eliminated from our heads right now. Like it, it's and I think because of where he was drafted, that's what came in. He's not going to be a true number one. He aced his interview. Yeah. We could have had DK. I get it. Seven other teams could have had DK as well because that's who, you know, seven other receivers were drafted before him. Seven or eight. It might be eight that were drafted before him. Yeah, something like that. Good amount. So. I think that though you're, you guys are absolutely right. Who's ever on that train? Josh McDaniels definitely isn't doing things wrong. And I saw a comment saying, "Oh, that's right. Brandon LaFell was our best receiver." They also had a guy named Danny Amendola. They had Julian Edelman. Julian they Edelman, had Rob yeah. Gronkowski. They had some yeah. other weapons outside of Brandon LaFell. So let's let's not get ridiculous, okay? Um, so Tom Brady's dad. Mm. That's right. You guys heard me right. Tom Brady's dad uh, says, first of all, he's he's absolutely sure, has no doubt in his mind that Robert Kraft is pulling for his son in the Buccaneers. Yeah. And um, he also believes that, yeah, he thinks that Belichick is a, a, a little bit of, he's in on, on a little bit of a hot seat. Hmm. Tom Tom Brady's dad okay. said that. Um, I'm going to ask you guys just like the simplest question in the world because, uh, and I used to think this, just so everybody knows. I used to think this when Tom Brady Jr. was a Patriot. So this has nothing to do with Tom Brady being a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. You gotta know because I, I this has everything. 
who the fuck cares what Tom Brady's dad has to say? Like, why? I, I knew it was Super Bowl time because Tom Brady's dad is doing the fuck is doing the media circuit right now, right? Yeah. Talking about Bill Belichick and the Patriots, talking about the inner workings of the Patriots of this season, which his son's not a part of. And um he's uh it's Tom Brady's dad. I really don't care. I never Me have neither. cared what no. Tom Brady's dad had to say while he was a Patriot. And while, dude, I, since 2017, people have been like, did you see what Tom Brady's dad said? And I was like, I don't give a shit what Tom Brady's dad said. Yet my Twitter line today, or my Twitter timeline today was full. 98.5, the sports hub, Tom Brady senior says Bill Belichick's on a little bit of a hot seat. They wrote a whole article about it. Of course they did. They've written tons of articles, not just them. Mass live wrote about it. W E or E E I wrote about it. So I know I'm not supposed to say W E E I wrote about it. it. Tom Brady's dad was the one I think back in 2015 who said, Oh, the divorce is going to end badly between the Patriots and Brady. Right. That was his thing. Yeah. Is this him just making the rounds now? Just trying to stir the pot because he's to me, Brady's dad over the years, going back to the Brady six documentary and all that kind of thing has always seemed like a little bit of a shit disturber. I mean, mm-hmm. this is the guy who came out and said, we were hurt. We were hurt and offended that the 49ers didn't draft him. Right. You know what I mean? like, <laughs> like he really felt an entitlement. Like Tom Brady senior felt an entitlement because they were season ticket holders that they should have drafted his son. Is this just him stirring the pot, causing shit, doing the rounds? Like, why is Tom Brady's dad doing media rounds? Nobody else's dad is going around doing media rounds right now. Like, I don't hear Chris Godwin's dad or mom going around doing the media rounds. Like, why? I don't see Pat Mahomes Sr., who's an actual professional athlete, walking around doing the media rounds right now. Like, why is Tom Brady's dad doing it? This is what I think of Tom Brady's dad. Mr. Brady (laughs) should stick to giving kids tickets. (laughs) <laughs> that's because chicken chicken tickets yeah <laughs> i i i don't know why he always has something to say but you're right so going back for a few years now i feel like he's always been in the media saying something i i don't know people and then people since it's tom brady senior they love to put weight into it but uh, yeah i i don't i think the last few years that he's come out and said stuff it's always been something problematic and so that's why i kind of it annoys me just like, I don't care if he comes out and wants to talk about his son and how great he is and how proud they are. That's fine. But like, there's no reason to be saying anything. And and I wouldn't be surprised if this is coming out because he's upset about how things happened at the end with the Patriots and his son. And um, I think, it, you know, the Boston media also loves to speak badly about Boston greats and, and athletes. So they, probably are aware that they can bait senior pretty easily. So they asked him purposely this type of question just so that they could then circulate it around and be like, Oh, look at this and blah, blah, blah. Because Boston, nobody, I always say this boss, nobody hates Boston sports more than Boston media. Like if they can get a a negative headline going, they'll do that. I was on Connor commentary a few, or buddy, I don't know, probably close to a year ago now, Connor. Was it the first? Yeah, the first time? Yeah. Yeah, probably a year ago. When I started talking bad about Boston media and didn't realize that your producer is a radio host. <laughs> yes. W-E-E-I. Yeah, and, that's funny. Uh, he agreed with me, though. He did, like, yeah. I bashed the Boston media and said it was the They're worst awful. media in sports. Like, but here's the whole thing, though. Because you guys follow Boston sports... Toronto, New York, Chicago, they're all just as bad as Boston. Like if you pick up a New York newspaper, all they do is rip the New York teams. If you pick up a Toronto right. paper here, all they do is rip the Toronto teams. I've I've read, you know how many negative things I've I've read since the George Springer signing? Like oh, re- that, yeah. yeah. That you know, Toronto writers who are like sitting on their pedestal can't believe that they, they would bring a guy who's been engulfed in a cheating scandal to oh, Toronto. Gosh, yeah. And Toronto fans should be outraged. Like that's like that's something they write in Boston, right? Like that yeah, so every every major well, city will do it. Some Don Dan Shaughnessy would write. Yeah. I think the difference <laughs> is though is just that like the way that Boston talks about their own teams as if they've been like 
you know, all of the teams have been shitty for decades. It's like, how many championships have they won in the last 20 years? Just right. all of the teams collectively. So it just like, they want to say Boston sports fans are spoiled and they're this, they're that, which we are. But like the media comes off that way too. When, you know, the Patriots have one bad season and then you're just talking like, Oh, Belichick needs to be fired and Kraft needs to sell the team and like all this other crazy stuff. And I'm like, really? Like, and that's just the Patriots. I mean, never mind the other three, but. Speaking of which, shout out to Mr. Kraft for getting his video destroyed or the judge uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> making him destroy the video. Um, but yeah, but now you're right. And now because of the media, we're stuck here talking about Mr. Brady. And what should Mr. Brady do, Connor? Mr. Brady, we actually have a suggestion <laughs> from Scared. Shout out Scared for the donation. Thank you. Tom Thank you. Brady's dad needs to go sit down somewhere. <laughs> yes. Take a few seats, sir. Take, and you had to add, shut up to it as well. Yeah, just talk about how proud you are of your son and how happy you are he's back in the Super Bowl. Uh, That's totally fine. Yeah, and, and I think that um, I think that uh, you hit it right on the head, Sarah, when you said like they write like the team's been shit for years, right? Like all right. the teams. I mean, like first of all, Boston is you guys right now, and you went a long time. Don't forget too. I am not going to dismiss this at all i am going like boston went through a long stretch where you were like the city of losers you know what yeah, i mean the Between red sox especially the red sox the celtics the bruins yep. went years the patriots you know oh, like yeah and then all of a sudden tom brady came to the city and everything kind of turned around. And then the Red Sox finally break the curse of the Bambino. Yeah. Uh, they've now put the curse of, of Ottavino Odovi- uh, on, yeah. uh, <laughs> on New York. But um, no, yeah, they, you know, they Tom Brady comes and then the, the Celtics win. And the, the, the Red Sox win. The Celtics win. The Bruins win. The Patriots win a whole bunch. Um, I think the Revolution went to a finals. You know what I mean? Like, it was just like, it just kept building up and building up. And I mean... Right. And right. then Tom Brady signed with Tampa Bay, and I don't think we should ignore that the the Rays went to the World Series. They didn't win it, but went to the World Series. The Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup, and now the Buccaneers are in the Super Bowl. So, My goodness, uh, when you put it like that. He brought the winning energy to Tampa. There's something to do in, in Tampa. But, yeah, you know, everybody, y'all just need to uh, just chill. You know, yep. and, and if you're upset and you're mad, you got to just chill. Like, first of all, I've said all the time, it's just football. Yeah. Like, it's all it is. It's just football. Lawrence Owen makes a good point here, though, just before we go on this subject. Even Archie Manning, who was obviously a legend in the NFL, never came around and said anything. His comment, even Archie Manning didn't didn't do provoking media rounds when both his sons were playing. I'm not sure the media was trying to get to him, but he has enough pride to not stoop and fall for it, which obviously Archie Manning had both sons play in the Super Bowl, and he was an NFL legend. So It's true, but Archie did have a lot to do with the draft, though. Uh, when when San Diego drafted Eli, they, and he's the one who told oh, Eli, yeah. don't go to San Diego. You got to go to a market like New York. Right. You got to call him call him by his real name. I call him Alicia. Have you seen who? how he spells his name? Who Eli? No. Eli. His name is Elijah, but they spell it like Alicia. Oh, so really? I call him Alicia Manning. Oh, I should have known this earlier. Yeah, it's E L I S H A. I'm gonna be honest. Since he retired, I become like a big Eli Manning fan. Yeah, he's, he's hilarious. Him. First of all, he's absolutely hilarious. If you follow him on Twitter, he's like hilarious. But I'm going to give it to Eli. Like the way he, things ended in New York, like with the whole like first of all when they they benched him for was it um it wasn't Tyrod Taylor, it was the guy who used to play for the Jets. What's his name? Um the guy who oh. got his jaw broken by G- Gino Smith. Oh, Gino Smith. Gino Smith. When he got benched for Gino Smith, he didn't make you know, which broke his 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 Iron Man streak, right? Because yeah. he had mm-hmm. the like the, the the longest active streak in the record of that time. He, you know, they offered him even do you want to play the first play or the first series to keep it alive? And he was like, No, I'm not starting, I want to go. Didn't treat it bad. When you know, when Coughlin got fired, he's in the front row crying. You know what I mean? And then when they decided, hey, we're gonna go with with uh, Daniel Jones instead of you, he he really he Tony Romo'd it. He took it like you know he took it. He said you know they're doing what's best for the team. He didn't cause a thing. He mentored the kid the same way Romo mentored 
uh, Dak, and then yeah. he set off into the sunset. Like I have a lot of respect for the way he kind of, en- the way he ended his career. And I, what I've realized, like since they both retired, the Manning brothers are hilarious. Like they're they absolutely hilarious the two guys and i mean and peyton was was on uh was being interviewed on on monday talking about tom brady being the goat and he's like he deserves to be at 10 like he's and talked about how you know how amazing it was that he was able to go to tampa bay and do what he had to do right mm-hmm. yeah no i i mean i definitely have always i mean thought that peyton was funny but i the thing i do like you were saying about um eli like at the end of his career i do admire his like self-awareness too because i think he knew he was kind of nearing the end that like he didn't necessarily deserve to continue being the starter because he wasn't like doing the best it's like it's i don't know i like to see that kind of thing rather than the ones who are like throwing fits and whatever like i get it it's hard to leave but it is pretty admirable i mean for how long he was the guy in new york you know who i don't like kurt schilling (sighs) Kurt Schilling, mm. fair, fair enough. But you know who's a Hall of Famer? <laughs> Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling. <laughs> yeah. I agree with both statements. I've got a lot to say about the Baseball Writers Association. Yeah. Oh my, or, or Baseball Writers of America Association. Like, I've got a lot to say. Okay. First of all, I look forward to three things in life. The Super Bowl. New Year's Eve. And Hall of Fame Day, okay? Or Hall of Fame Announcement Day. Those are like the three things that I look the most forward to. I didn't get New Year's Eve this year. I spent it with Connor online. (laughs) (laughs) The Super Bowl is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs, which, you know, in some sense could be a worse nightmare. Yeah. And now there's no... Hall of Famers going in this year. Now we're still yeah, gonna hear the none. from the Veterans Committee. Let me tell you what Kurt Schilling wrote to the Hall of Fame. He wrote, quote, I will not participate in the final year of voting. I am requesting to be removed from the ballot. I'll defer to the Veterans Committee and men whose opinions actually matter and who are in a position to actually judge a player. Now I know it's Kurt Schilling, but yeah, I, 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 let me tell you my issue with the baseball's writers, the baseball writers. Why is there so much emphasis on First ballot, second ballot, third ballot, Hall of Fames. Yeah. Right? What did I hear today? Oh, don't worry. Scott Rowland's going to get in. It just, it was too early for him. So he's been on the ballot for four years. Yeah. So you're telling me you'd rather have no Hall of Famers. You'd rather have nobody inducted into the Hall of Fame than put Scott Rowland in in his fourth year of eligibility. Baseball, people need to understand, is a dying sport. Yeah, and this is why. The ratings are dropping. The younger generation doesn't care. The guys like Connor in my age are the youngest guys who actively watch baseball. I know McChicken watches and a couple yeah. younger guys watch, but the demo- the major demographic is 30 to th- like 40 to 140. And baseball as a, as a sport, not just major league baseball, but baseball as a sport does nothing to attract the younger generation. Do you know how fun a hall of fame ceremony would be with Manny Ramirez being the headliner? Bobby Abreu's not a hall of famer. Scott Rowland's not on Omar Vizquel. One of the greatest shortstops of all time is not a hall of famer. Gary Sheffield's not a Hall of Famer, right? Andy Pettit isn't a Hall of Famer. I've heard Andy will get in, but because he admitted to using HGH for his injury, that they're going to make him wait. He's been on the ballot three years. Oh, wow. Hopefully he didn't copy someone's homework in eighth grade. (laughs) 
Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and Sammy yep. Sosa all have one more year of eligibility. One more year of eligibility. And I can almost guarantee you the fact that Clemens and Bonds only got 61.8% and Sammy Sosa got 17% of the votes, they're not going in the Hall of Fame by the Writers Association. Right. What Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa did. Yeah, it was absurd. They made, and, and then Barry Bonds a few years later, they made baseball fun again. Yep. Baseball, I don't care, Connor. Baseball was better with steroids. It was. And you know what? They turned a blind eye to it for the longest time. And now all of a sudden, they're like, I can't believe that people took steroids back then. The overwhelming majority of baseball players were on steroids. And I don't want to say it was allowed, but I mean, they kind of just looked the other way at the point back then. And then later on, they found out that they probably shouldn't be doing it. So they changed their mindset. And now they're punishing all the guys for it, even though back then it wasn't as big of a deal as it is now. And it was still, I mean, they were still the best players in the game, man. I mean, Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire made baseball so fun when I was a kid, man, when they would go back and forth each night and the home runs kept going up and up over who was going to set the record. And it was an arms race between the two. It was awesome. I don't, I don't know. Now all these guys decide that they can't be in the hall of fame because they're on their high horse. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to answer Joe's question. A little bit of education. You need 75% to be a hall of famer. So Kurt Schilling was at 71.1, so he was almost there, but 14 blank ballots. Right. 14. You didn't vote. You didn't vote for guys because you didn't believe their first ballot Hall of Famers. You're a Hall of Famer or you're not a Hall of Famer, right? Yeah, I agree with that statement as well. Like, why does yeah, it I matter? Sorry, go ahead, sir. Go ahead. I was going to say, I don't really understand what the difference would be from like, oh, you're not a Hall of Famer yet even though you've been retired for, you know, however many years, but maybe in like two years, you can go in the hall of fame. That doesn't make any sense. Like they're not still playing. Their career is not going to get any better. The, what they did is what they did. They're either, like you said, a hall of famer or not. It doesn't matter when they go in. They celebrate guys like Mickey Mantle, who was a drunk by the yeah. way. <laughs> um, there's a story about when the, I think it was in 90, 1990 that yeah. the, the all-star game was here in Toronto. And Mickey Mantle came out to throw the opening pitch. And everybody went, oh, look at Mickey. And they kind of had to like, you know, the one arm underneath. And he looked so frail, right? And they said, look, Mickey, he's just, his health is deteriorating. Came out years after. He was hammered. <laughs> he couldn't walk to the mound. They had to help. It wasn't frail at all. He was so drunk. He couldn't get out to the mound. Cy Young. Well, we all know it's, I don't want to say that we, we all know what Cy Young was accused of, right? We do. Connor, I don't know. Confused? No. Murder. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that at all. Did we name an award after him? Uh, there was a guy that pitched a perfect game while he was on uh, acid. Well, yeah. Well, David, no Wells, David Wells was drunk when he pitched his, his no hitter. Yeah. David Wells used to drink, right? Yeah. He admits that was a fact. He was hung over, so he had a few beers before he threw his no-hitter with the Yankees. <laughs> that does not surprise me at all. Yeah, That's he, what I'm he, saying. He should be banished from the game. Yeah, like... According to these hall monitors that decide who gets in. They just, they have this m moral high ground. Right. That... I think they're, it's like they're trying to be politically correct now. Right. Like, not trying to think about what was going on at the time that that player was playing and it was either like ignored or whatever. It's like, okay, well things that happened 20, 30 years ago or whatever, it's not going to be okay today, but that doesn't take away what they contributed to the game. You know, like Derek Jeter is going to be a first ballot. You know that. Yeah. And there's guys on this list that were better players than Derek Jeter. And Derek Jeter is one of my favorite players of all time, but he's going to be a first ballot. And, you know, A-Rod's never going to the Hall of Fame, ever. Not a, I mean, not if not the way that they are voting now, apparently not. No, and, and a big part of the Hall of Fame, too, was you have to kiss the ass of the writers. If you didn't kiss their ass as a player, they right. make you wait and they make you squirm. Like, dude, we're going to have a, a, a class at some point that's going to be like Latroy Hawkins, 
uh, AJ Burnett, Dan right. Heron, Nick Swisher, Shane Victorino. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they're going to be all these fringe players. Right. Because Schilling, Bonds, Clemens, uh, baseball uh, A-Rod, they're A-Rod, all not going to get in. I mean, listen, you know who I'm really interested in? Do you remember when that whole report came out? Was it the what? Well, not the Wells report. That was football. The the the, the steroid report that came mm-hmm. out. Big Poppy's name was on there. Yep. So is he blackballed from the Hall of Fame now? Oh my God, that would be the icing on the cake. I mean, if that happens, then I the Hall of Fame should just close down, and no one should even pay attention to it anymore. It might get to that point where people don't even care anymore because they're making such a mockery of it. I mean, if David Ortiz doesn't get in, I mean, why even have it? The Hall of Fame is a not-for-profit organization as a board, and I'm putting out something to them that you have to change this whole process. Yeah. Because I'm telling you right now, I'm not going back to that Hall of Fame. I'm not spending a nickel on that joke of a Hall of Fame. And I'm encouraging everybody to, to follow along with me. I'm in. And I hope, th- I hope they go bankrupt. I really do. I hope that it's done. That one of the, I mean, that's like a pilgrimage to go to, to Cooperstown. You know what I mean? It's a trip that I say every baseball fan should make in their life at one point. Go see the, the field. You know yep. what I mean? Go see the stadium. Go see the Hall of Fame. Enjoy Cooperstown. If you love baseball, you'll be engulfed in it. I'm done. I'm done with the Hall of Fame. Absolutely done with the Hall of Fame. Yeah, no, I I agree. I saw I saw that today, and I thought the same thing. I'm like, this isn't even this is a joke now. It's not even to be taken seriously anymore. That's all I had to say about that. I was just I was so irritated. You guys, I don't know if you saw my tweets. I just I I threw out I threw out one of my my where every two seconds a new thought was coming to my head. So I just kept <laughs> tweeting. I was I was in such a rage when I saw that's, that nobody. That's what Twitter is good for. I have a funny um, comment from Lawrence that I've kept here for seven minutes now. Nice. Because <laughs> it's football related. But I kind of wanted, do I just click on it? Is that all I do? Yep, just click yeah. On. Oh, wait. Wait. Why yeah, you got to click okay. on like the show part. Oh, wait. Will it not let me? Oh, wait. Yep. I don't know. Anyway, I'm just, just going to read it. Okay. okay. This was from Lawrence. He said, as a Colts fan, which I'm going to disregard because the rest of it is so relevant. Well, in a way. This might be the worst Super Bowl matchup. Another Tom Brady Super Bowl, if he if he wins, that will be all the media talks about for the next year. And if Kansas City wins, their fans will be even more intolerable. And I say, yes. Yeah, touche. <laughs> it's not Very it's true. not horrible as a Patriots fan completely to see Tom Brady in another Super Bowl. But the Kansas City part, yes. A hundred and I mean, I was seeing people were reposting uh Mahomes fiance and uh her his brother's tiktoks and i want to gouge my eyes out i just (laughs) was it was so cringy and i was like but this is i had their fans like coming for me i had packers fans coming for me it was just a, a hot mess of a weekend but yes i just i can't decide what would be worse tom brady winning with another team or mahomes winning i i i i don't know but i liked your comment lawrence thank you yeah, I think what's insufferable about Brady going there, it's not Brady, but it's it's just this kind of crap. Fire Belichick, hire Ben, I mean, a good GM who can draft well. You know, yep, Pat's we'll selected Nikhil Hare over Debo Samuel, AJ Samuel. Like, yep, we'll have to hear this. One, one draft pick over and over and over again, you know? Mm-hmm. And Although we do have one big, big time supporter to Belichick here. Bill can turn Trubisky into Super Bowl champion. <laughs> oh, I sure. <laughs> I, I don't know. Of you anybody. never know. Connor, I can't even imagine what our show work in Sarah. I can't even imagine what our show would look like if we had to come out here and break or talk about Mitch Trubisky signing. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think it would be like a lot of silence, probably just like staring at each other. Like, yeah, buddy. Hey, shout out mm. to scared. Another donation. Woohoo! Thank you. Now you know what people feel about us Patriots fans. 
Oh yeah, people yeah. hate us. I know. I we're know. we're the insufferable ones. The comments well, alone though, the comments alone, like the 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 crybaby comments that I see in our chat on Twitter and everything alone, like yeah. people are laughing at us. You know what I mean? Like they're sitting there like well, laughing. The problem is too is like Patriots fans can't even get along with Patriots fans. I think that's a problem too. Like we can't even get along with each other. Most of the time there's like sections, like I call them like subsections of Patriots Twitter that hates each other. And it's like, we're all ends of the same team. Like, I don't understand. Like we complain about all these other teams that hate us and all these fans that hate us. We hate each other. So no wonder why every other fan base hates us. We don't even like each other. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, Ty Tyson put out his video today and he said there's a civil war between Patriots fans right now. That's right? true. Mm-hmm. Um, and there really is. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Connor, why don't we get a couple more questions or a couple more comments and then we'll wrap it up for the night, man. All righty. I do see one here from McChicken that I think is ironic. Did y'all see Patty Mahomes' mom say Mac Wilson should be ejected because of the tackle he, he made on her son? Yeah, he got hurt, but it was a clean tackle. Speaking of people's parents in the media... Well, um, actually, I did actually see that she said that, and I agree with what McChicken said. Did you see Mac Wilson's response to that? No. He tweeted at her and said, Mama, it's a physical game. I wasn't trying to hurt <laughs> your he? son. Yeah, and she like basically like apologized and said it was just, okay. you know, Mama I didn't know that. Right. You know, here's I- the thing, though. In the heat of the moment, so both my kids competed in mixed martial arts. Yeah. And there were times that I had to – just grip the seat not to if, if they were losing to to jump out there you know what i mean and, and get in the way it's mama bear and papa bear comes out in weird ways even if you don't think you're going to be somebody that it comes out in right but yeah, i guess what, that makes sense what she doesn't do though is <laughs> i hate that so much man and they they did that on sunday too they like did, i know Brittany was like this is why you shouldn't be comparing quarterbacks or comparing people and i think that was her shot because i mean people were being a little silly saying someone said oh josh allen is like the like just like um mahomes and I'm just like, okay, sister, you need to sit down because people say that your fiance is better and or is equivalent to Tom Brady. So let's not be talking about comparing people. Yeah. I know we have a donation, but I don't have to understand anything I don't want to understand. His brain is fried. <laughs> Ray, please understand. Bills just doesn't have a brain anymore. His brain is fried. First of all, I'd love you to stop spamming the chat, NFL Talk. That would be the first thing I ask you to do. His brain um, is number two, I don't have to recognize anything. If I want to live in my own little delusional world, I will. Uh, but I can't disagree with you more than saying his brain is fried. Like the evidence, you can't keep pointing to Nikhil Harry and, and say that's the, cause that's all the evidence that's been thrown at me right now. One bad season. Jesus. <laughs> I know. <laughs> all right. We do have a donation here from uh, King Cato. Thank you. Thank you, sir. What's Evan Rothstein's role going to be for the Patriots? I got to admit, man, I saw this last night that it got sent over to me, and I wasn't too familiar with who Evan Rothstein was. So it looks like he was with uh, the Lions and with Matt Patricia, if I remember correctly, and he was kind of like the Ernie Adams-type role, if, if if I'm on the right page here. Well, Pat's Paul, Pat's Paul put covered it and said, Evan Rothstein flew under the radar when the Patriots hired him. Here mm-hmm. is why uh, he shouldn't have. Matt, I'm just, I'm just going to read it to you guys. I have no idea where even were to. Matt Patricia's return to New England was a rather big story in what has been a relevantly quiet offseason for the Patriots so far. But while the longtime defensive coordinator reuniting with head coach Bill Belichick stole the headlines last week, what was lost amidst the report and all the follow-up analysis, who was, Pat- who was Patricia brought along with him from the Detroit Lions, Evan Rothstein's. Granted, Rothstein is not a household, Rothstein is not a house- household name after working primarily behind the scenes in Detroit. However, he certainly appears to be an intriguing addition to the Patriots staff, regardless of what his eventual role will entail and what his title will look like. Just listen to what Lions team captain and former Patriots defensive back Ron Harmon had to say about him, saying, quote, very, very smart guy, very smart. Handles a lot of situational stuff we do as a team. Smart, understands the game. He has a good handle on it, and I put my trust in him to do what he has to do to put the uh, put us in the right defense and make the right calls so that we can go out there and play. 
uh, he has his meetings each week where he talks about tendencies, signals, cadences, you know, just a little nuances of the game that a lot of people might overlook. He's that guy who is pointed out to us so that we can um, have a good tip or a good tendency uh, that we can put our hat on. Isn't that isn't that what like Ernie Adams kind of does? That's basically what er, that's basically an Ernie Adams job. So they basically right. have two. It sounds like they have two Ernie Adams in their system right now. I like the I sound of that. Yeah, I like it. So, do you think that's going to be his main role? What's that? You think that's going to be his main role? Is doing something similar to Ernie Adams? I don't know. I don't I know mean, either. That's a good question. It's it sounds like the guy knows what he's talking about, though. I mean, we don't even really know what Patricia's role is going to be. That's a like, very good point, too. I mean, so, like, <laughs> I know that he's not going to be calling plays, or at least that's what we assume, but, I mean, right. we don't really know what he's even doing. Yeah. No comment here, but we did get another donation. Shout out. Thank you. You cool kid. You, 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 cool, you three cool kid. How, I was I like, like you, you, you. <laughs> Pre- appreciate it. Thank you, cool kid. I appreciate it. I don't know why they're calling you ew. I don't think you're ew. It says, <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, wait a second. Here's one from Patriots Nation. Matthew Stafford has the most completions of more than 50 yards since he was drafted in that span in the entire NFL. I think we get him. We need Curtis Samuel as a downfield threat. What do you guys think? I don't think he's coming to the Patriots. I think he's going to Indy. I'm sticking Indy. to that. All they right. have more. They have more cap space, and they came out with his quote preferred destinations, and Indy was number two, which okay. they claimed San Francisco's his number one, which is interesting because of the Jimmy G talk. But yeah, I've heard a lot of talk know. about San Francisco and, and Indy as well. But mm-hmm. I mean, that's also because Frank Wright came out and said we're getting a veteran quarterback, and um, and Maddie would like to go play in San Francisco, but. Bill Belichick has also said nothing about anything when it comes to the quarterback situation, so there's nothing to compare to. The reason they're saying Colts is because Reich said we want a veteran quarterback. That's literally, mm-hmm. if you read every story, that's the breadcrumb. Frank, a week ago, Frank Reich said we want to go after a veteran quarterback, so the breadcrumb is Matthew Stafford to Indianapolis. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the Patriots are the cap space too. The Patriots actually, they have better draft capital than mm-hmm. the Indianapolis Colts. Like the Indianapolis Colts are actually in the disadvantage, especially because we looked into it. Matthew Stafford doesn't have a no trade clause. So Detroit will completely handle where he goes and they're not going to give up the difference between, I think Indy picks like what, 25 or 26 or something of that nature. The difference between 15 and 26 is huge, right? Mm-hmm. Huge, right? 26 is closer to the second is close to, is closer to a second round pick where 15 is closer to a first. If Belichick came in with a, with the 15th, and Indy came in with the 25th or 26th. They're going to take the 15th, whether Matt, you know, whether Matthew Stafford wants to go to Indianapolis or not. Right. Where's right. where do the Niners draft? Oh, They're higher than us, right? Probably slightly higher, I would imagine. Yeah, but the Niners just, have, just barely. The Niners have a cap issue. Yep. And the, that's the other issue. Even even mm-hmm. getting rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, they have a cap issue in yeah. San Francisco. I'm so, so glad that the Patriots don't have to worry about that. I know. It is, that would it just is be nice like thing the worst thing. Season. Yeah, having a seven to nine season, no quarterback, no receivers, and then being like, oh, by the way, you need to cut this many millions in uh, money for your cap and be like, are you kidding me right now? Right. <laughs> this is not San what we need. San Francisco is the 12th. Oh, okay. So okay. not like that yep. much better. Indy has a 21st. So yep. see, Indy's okay. not even a top 20. Patriots are yeah. a top 15. Indy's closer to it, or San Francisco's close to a top 12. Well, I guess it depends on what they'd want, too. It's hard to say, like what exactly they'd want in return. What do they need? Blah, blah, I also, blah. I also wouldn't count out the Raiders. I think that's a team that people are sleeping on. They were in on the Tom Brady trade. They were trying to make it the move for him. Yeah. I would not be counting out the Las Vegas Raiders. And there's a lot of talent there that Matthew Stafford could go play with. That could, that's very but, true. Would they could, be com- giving up on Carr? Absolutely. I, I've been, they've been trying to give up on Carr for three years. They yeah. just can't find. They signed Marcus Mariota, and the rumor <laughs> yeah. was they brought him in because Gruden thought that Mariota could take over for Derek Carr eventually. Yeah, I mean he looked pretty good in that one game that he came in for him. So. He did. He did. I'll give him that. Then everyone was like Mariota to the Patriots. I'm like, okay, guys, chill out. Any anybody who does even <laughs> remotely decent at any position should go to the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, per, Absol- per our absolutely, fans. absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
I, 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 yeah, I don't even want to start, but yeah, but I mean, Derek Carr actually had a, a really good season this year, which I think kind of, which, which, which complicates things for the Raiders a little bit, but yeah, they've been trying to move on from him forever. Apparently from what I understand is, is Gruden doesn't like his work ethic. Um, yeah. there's just, there's just a lot of things that, that Gruden doesn't like, but you know, Gruden's got to be a little bit careful here because I'm going to go back to that game against, was it Miami that they lost to? Yes. Um, yes. Yes. When they decided yes. to kick the field goal. Yep. Or they they need they ran out the clock and kicked the field goal and then Fitzpatrick yeah then Fitzpatrick and lost the game down. yeah they did when they played not Terrible. to lose right when they they instead of playing to win they played not to lose and um you know he's made a few of those decisions this year that I think he's got to you know that's going to resonate in that locker room a little bit too so he's going to lose a little bit of that that grip, you know, right. because, because of those decisions. All right, let's do one more and then we'll call it a night, Connor. All right. I have an interesting one right here that I've been saving. I haven't heard this, but uh meteorologist Isaiah Field says breaking news. Vikings tight end. Kyle Rudolph is reportedly unhappy with the Vikings over pay cut. I, I haven't heard that, um, but I, I don't doubt it. So Kyle Rudolph, what do you guys think? Somebody that could potentially come to the Patriots. First of all, there's a new Kyle Rudolph rumor every three months. So let's, let's put that <laughs> on the table. That is true. No, number two, I've been hearing about Kyle Rudolph through the Patriots for the last two years. Mm. Vikings tight end Kyle Rudolph has seen his role in the team's passing game decrease since yeah. signing oh. a contrast extension with the team in 2019, and that's caused some uncertainty about his future with the team. The Vikings will need to create some cap space as they are currently projected to be over the cap for the 2021 season, and Rudolph is one player who could depart in order to make that room. Rudolph told former teammate Ben Leber on the Unrestricted podcast that he's aware of that possibility while noting that the outlook might be very different if the Vikings um, uh, were using him differently. Quote, I'm realistic. I see both sides. I'm looking at the situation like, hey, you know, we're paying this guy a lot of money and we're not using him, so why are we paying him a lot of money? I think I'm worth every dime of my contract. That doesn't mean that I'm, you know, used to my potential and I'm, and I'm used to what I do well. So I don't think it's that he's upset. He's got a $9.45 million cap hit for the 2021 season. The Vikings would save $5.1 million if they were to move on from Irv Smith Jr. Uh, if they move on from Irv Smith Jr., uh, Tyler Conklin and others at tight end. Um, so yeah, so I don't think that he's upset about a pay cut. I think what he's realizing is, is because the cap is going to drop, the Vikings are going to be under the cap or they're going to be over the cap. So they're going to have to do rooms and he's right. He's not been a big part of the game plan. I don't know if that's because of him. I don't know if that's just the direction the Vikings are going in. I don't know if it's because they're overpaying Kirk cousins, which is where I kind of like draw around. And I think that at this point that he's just realizing he could be on the market to be traded. Yeah. Yeah. That would make sense. I mean, they started using Aerosmith Jr. more than they used him. And that offense just completely, totally, and utterly goes through Dalvin Cook to begin with. Well, they go through every running back because when Dalvin Cook got injured, I realized that Minnesota was full of Dalvin Cooks. Then they started mm-hmm. using Andre Madison. Yeah. Like, I've, what I realize is that that's a contract I bet you they wish they didn't give was Dalvin Cook. Because when I saw Madison do what he could do, I thought they just spent a lot. Look, running backs are a dime a dozen. Yeah, they really are. There are so many good and a running back. Look at Le'Veon Bell. You can go from one being one of the best running backs in the league to being mediocre overnight. Well, and was he? Did he even play on Sunday? Like I didn't hear his name at all. Barely. Yeah. Barely. Yeah. Like he's, he's not even. There. He's going to he Super Bowl and he didn't do anything. And he used to be like one of the top running backs in the game. And I'm like. Okay, you just wanted to go and try and win a game because you're not contributing at all. Yep. You want to know who the top running backs in the league were this year? According to PFF by grade? Derrick Henry, obviously. Yep. Number mm-hmm. one. Damien Harris, number two. Mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook, three. Nick Chubb, four. Gus Edwards was number five. Naheem really? Himes. Naheem Himes was number six. Alvin Kamara was number seven. Latavius Murray was number eight. Alexander Madison was number nine. Jonathan Taylor was number 10. In the top 10, there were two Vikings, two Saints, and yep. two Colts. Where's, so Robin, I, where's Robinson and Gibson, the rookies? Uh, let's go. 
Burkhead was number 15, by the way. Wow. Not in the top 49, Connor. Really? So this is what I'm getting at. So you could easily move on from Dalvin Cook and still have Alexander Madison back there. Yep. Who's a top 10, who ranked in the top 10. Mm. And, and, and Dalvin Cook, another year where he gets injured, right? Like another injury year for Dalvin Cook, which is just becoming too common of a thing for him. Yep. And they're paying him a lot of money, dude. Yeah, he's, he's definitely getting paid. Anyways, um, to answer that question, there's always something about... Have, have you guys found that? That Mason Rudolph uh, always seems to be... Or Kyle Rudolph, I mean... Seems oh, to yeah. always be in, in the he's in Yeah, the he's one of the tight ends that the Patriots are always supposedly getting. There were a yeah, few of them. They were always getting Hunter since, Henry as well. Yeah, especially since uh, Gronk left. It's like picked up yeah. even more. See, and there's stock with Dalvin. So his cap hits aren't bad. Five million next year. Oh, that's not bad. Then it goes to 12, then 14, then 15, then 13. Sheesh. That's a lot for a running back, man. That is. That is. And you know what his dead cap is this year? 22. His dead Damn. cap next year is 17. So you're paying him 12. Right. And it's and they gave him a lot of yearly cash. Like he got a big bonus up front. He got he made 16 million in cash this year. Only had a cap hit of four. He's only gonna be making eight point. Do you know how much money he's making in 2021? 2.1 million. Really? And then he makes eight point nine. In uh, he makes eight point nine in in two thousand twenty two eleven million in twenty three, twelve million in twenty four, thirteen point five million in twenty five. I'm trying to see what he has guaranteed. They gave him a guaranteed twenty eight point one million dollars for a running back. That's crazy. They get their their use out of him so far though. They give it to him thirty times a game. <laughs> Hey, at least we have the number two running back according to PFF. That's right. So this year, That's yes. Right. But I just oh. mean because everyone was like, "Eh, we could have had this running back, and we could have had this running back." Well, hey, in twenty eighteen, Sony Michelle was the number two PFF running back. Just so everybody knows, he, we love it. He was ranked number two in the NFL. Sony Michelle's, I don't think, in the top forty nine this year, which is uh, probably not this year. Well, he averaged. 5.4 yards per carry. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Like, and he ran the ball like 79 times. Right. Like he, had a, he had enough carries. He didn't run it like a like a true starter, but he had enough carries. Sony Michelle is another guy who gets unnecessary heat. Was it a bit of a reach taking yeah. him in the first round at 30, 31st overall in the NFL? A little bit of a reach, yeah. Yeah, but uh, he gets a lot of unnecessary, a lot of unnecessary criticism. And I think when Damien Harris went out, he did just fine. A lot of the what I call the toxic side of Pat's Twitter is the one who hates on Sony the most. So if that's where it, it the most of it's coming from, then that'll explain why. Listen, if Sony Michelle averaged 2.1 yards for the next three seasons, and I know we couldn't have him for three seasons, but if that's what happened. We went to the Super Bowl on his back in 2018. Mm-hmm. We went to the Super Bowl on Sony. Just like Malcolm Mitchell, I will never call a bust because he was a big contributor in 2016 to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Think about that Chargers game. Sony Michelle with like 240 on that game. Two touchdowns, mm-hmm. ran all over them, ran all over the Chiefs, ran all over the, you know, the, the Rams. I'm telling you, we went to the Super Bowl on Sony Michelle's back. He's got a pass in my book for the rest of his life. Yeah. Yep. Hundred. Because I want to point out that Malcolm Butler, who everybody keeps screaming about, how you know he got benched in the Super Bowl, was absolutely awful in 2017. Like absolutely awful that entire season. Yeah. Well, but I think it was kind of ridiculous. Go ahead. Go because, ahead. Go ahead. Because he made an interception in 2014, everybody gives him a pass. I'm this, but and so do I. I give him that pass too. The same way I give Malcolm Mitchell, and the same way I give Sony Michelle a pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. Um, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Dear Pats Nation podcast. As always, we will be back tomorrow. Of course, it'll be me, Connor, and Sarah. Connor, what about that Hall of Fame? It's not <laughs> legit, kid.
Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100% because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.